Today, we are coming to you live from Comic-Con, Comic-Con International in beautiful downtown San Diego, closed after three years due to the crazy pandemic it has battled all the way back. I was there on Wednesday night preview night, elbows, knees, nothing but people, excitement. I am here to talk to you about Comic-Con, celebrate its many years, my gazillion years attending the show since 1982. I fill you up with so many great memories, short stories I have never shared before, uh, business happenings, image stuff, Marvel dealings that happened on the show floor over all these many years. Comic-Con is back and we are here to talk about it on an all-new Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Rob Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I am fortunate enough to have been the guy that makes the comics for the last 36 years and counting, and the host of this show for going on three years now, four seasons. Thank you for taking this ride with me. I uh, have, have tried to take you along my ride with comic books, my, my, my journey uh, pulling these comic books off the spinner rack. If you have pulled a comic book off a spinner rack, or if you're not that old and you're like, what in the heck is a spinner rack? You went to a comic store, you pulled it off a shelf. There was one store, uh, matter of fact, in Fountain Valley, Southern California. It is the only store that I have ever seen operated by like this, but it was called the Land of Ooze and Oz. Cool store, had the best uh, signings in the business when I was a kid. In, in, in regards to uh, creators, writers, artists, the people who actually made the comics. It's one of the first stores that I knew I could count on to go and see and meet the people. But in Land of Oohs and Oz, uh, you had to ask for the comic. He would put the comics behind him on the wall in bags and boards, pinned to a giant, you know, kind of bulletin board foundation. And you you would say, I, I would like that, that, that copy of the Hulk. I, I would like to look at that copy of the X-Men. You couldn't peruse them. You you really had to be familiar with the product. It was a very hardline store, but you pretty much had to be familiar with what you were going in with. Uh, later on, he had preview copies, a dedicated preview copy, I think, because he was not getting as many sales as possibly he could get by not letting people preview the comics. He did not want you to touch them. He did not want you to 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 uh, you know handle them in a way that would compromise them but you know it didn't stop me i'm going to tell you guys that was the furthest that i would drive in my teenage years and i didn't really drive there because i had to ride my bike cruiser my my, my mountain bike uh that, that i had gotten and i would make those plans on saturdays and i would plan it out and from anaheim to fountain valley was always about a 48 minute bike ride if i just hauled serious ass it was always a little more coming back because you're basically going back uphill but this is you know the, the the very tip end of fountain valley which would then punch through to huntington beach and then boom i mean you're at the beach i i, I was literally via the bike another like seven minutes from hitting the sand on on you know at huntington beach so so this was a big commitment for me but the, it is the only store that, that like you had to select from the wall. May I have X-Men? May I have Titans? May I have, you know, Legion? So, so, but, but if you've ever pulled a comic book from a shelf, asked your 
you know, retailer to let you see the comics that are behind him. Whatever manner that you could interact with comic books, then 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 you know what I'm talking about. We we have we have an established relationship. If you went to 7-Eleven, if you went to the liquor store like I did, so many of you guys, I love telling you about all my adventures going into the liquor store, going into the liquor store on the the the, the corner of Magnolia and Broadway uh, on on my favorite four corners of my entire life. Again, if you haven't heard this show before, if you have, so many of you enjoy it. And, and once a year, I take the sojourn. I now drive the, the 40 minutes because it's really not accessible uh, via freeway practically. It's, it's, it's too high up off the pass, so it's just easier for me to take side streets all the way back to my young uh, neighborhood haunts where I am able to go back and look at the 7-Eleven, although it's jumped. The 7-Eleven uh, is now where the liquor store used to be. Where the liquor, the 7-Eleven used to be is now a taqueria. That's what it says, taqueria. Uh, the Pizza Hut is still there where I would read so many comic books with my with my greasy fingers and encounter so many of my favorite talents. John Byrne, Jim Starlin, uh, very, very distinct memories. George Perez at this Pizza Hut. And then the Stater Brothers, which was a grocery store chain, carried comic books as well. That is now... Uh, that was turned into a 24-hour health and fitness and is now closed. Uh, so the, the last the last beacon of my comic book youth standing is 7-Eleven. But if, if you bought it from a drugstore, and again, the drugstores, they always, they always came through, especially on those road trips. You know, I've talked to you guys about the fact that the first time I flew in an airplane was 1985. Well, you know, the road trips with the Liefeld family in the Buick, uh, would take us to New Mexico, parts of Arizona, and uh, to visit friends, family, or or just kind of cheap, uh, cheap staycations. Again, we just were not, we didn't have a lot of means. My dad was a Baptist minister. We were on his salary. My mom worked as a secretary. But when we would uh, take those trips on our, in our car and we would go to the drugstores, there is a specific drugstore in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, uh, that, that I specifically bought four annuals that summer, the summer of 1976. It was a Defenders annual. It was a Hulk annual. It was an Avengers annual. And it was a Power Man annual. I love Luke Cage. Uh, if you've uh, never heard my uh, diversification in comics, uh, it's, it's like one of the first, the fourth, the fifth episodes uh, that I did of, of, of this show because in the, in the 1970s there were so many uh, you know diverse comics from Marvel and DC they were really branching out they were really reflecting the cinema the television um, and, and and you got some of your very first dedicated comic books featuring black superheroes you got um, Asian leads in comics so it wasn't just all Johnny Whitebread okay in my world uh, became bigger for it. I've talked to you guys. I walked the mean streets of Harlem with Luke Cage, okay? And 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 I felt like comics really transported me. And so, if this show stirs those same memories of transportation with you uh, from time to time or on a regular basis, I could not be more thrilled. I could not be more thrilled. I'm so glad to share this time with you guys. And today, I am broadcasting to you from. The high floor, the highest floor. My wife was like, have we, have we ever had a floor this high before? We are in San Diego. I am broadcasting to you from San Diego, from Comic-Con, and I am here to tell you that the weather could not be more beautiful and that the 
San Diego Comic Con. Now it's called Comic Con International, which is honestly it, it bothers me a great deal because <laughs> the, the 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 convention that got me hooked that became the greatest convention in the entire world was called the San Diego Comic Con. But now I, I it's, it's it's Comic Con International, okay? Because that's a that, that I guess that sounds like a bigger deal. I don't know who made that decision. I don't know why. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure those people are even alive to tell me that because sadly some of the People that actually started this magnificent show are no longer with us. But that being said, the greatest comic show in the world is all the way back. The, for the first time in three years, this show uh, is back. It's bustling. It's buzzing. And I'm going to tell you, I get down here a couple days earlier. I, I get down here to secure the rooms for my kids, to get my stuff settled. Uh, I, just, I just like being here a, a day early a day uh, before the craziness begins. Now, that used to be getting down here Wednesday because the show started Thursday, but it was back around 2006 that they instituted, 2005, one one of those years in the early 2000s that they instituted the Wednesday preview night which has blossomed into just basically the fifth day of the show, a full-on fifth day of the show. Yesterday, as I went from one hotel to the other because the Liefelds travel down here (laughs) in such just magnificent numbers with all their friends that we have to uh, cross-purpose all of our our hotel, uh, you know, accommodations. So as I was going from one hotel to the other yesterday, I, I came upon uh, a number of of uh, people just lined up again, it, it, like up against the curb, up, you know, long lines wrapped around different buildings. And I'm like, what are these lines for? That's for the, the COVID testing. What are these lines for? That's the early pickup badge that you know was supposed to start at 2 and, and now they've moved it up to 12 and rumor is they're, they're moving it up to 11. And you're like, oh my gosh, this this is a giant, massive, amazing undertaking. Make no doubt whatsoever what a giant undertaking this show is. And I feel so privileged that I have been coming to this show for so many years. I have shared with you guys that 1982, the first time that it was in the old convention center, what was referred to as the older convention center, that, that building is still stands. If that building ever is demolished, a piece of me will absolutely 100% go with it. Uh, I, it's so important to me that that in 2020, the year that uh, Comic-Con, the, the first cancellation, my wife and I uh, drove down here and spent the day here just kind of walking to all the old haunts uh, that, 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 that we would have done had our family been here. But but I had never taken our, I think it's called the Civic Center, uh, you know, the, the, the Civic Center now. Back then, it was literally referred to as the San Diego Convention Center. And uh, I took my wife to the place that I experienced San Diego for the very first time. And it was uncanny walking the grounds and 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 and, and how well-preserved the entire building and the, and, and the construct was. I've zoomed past it as I get back on the 5 freeway to drive home, you know, at the end of every show. And and, and be, because that is the off, that, that road that runs right by the old San Diego Convention Center goes right into the freeway, boom, and, and, and gets you back heading towards, you know, Los Angeles, Orange County, uh, Northern California. So so many of you have zoomed by it, but it doesn't have the same historical, you know, uh, uh, importance to you that it does, that it does to me. And, and, and I, I, I went in 1982. I have given this um, story uh, before. I'm going to revisit it here. 
because it is so resonant. Again, the comic stores that I've been frequenting, it started, it started having guests. Having the actual human flesh creators was such a game changer for me. Okay, so in 19, you know, in, in, in 1982, I'm 14 years old. I am, I am ready to rock. I, I want to draw comics. I've been, I've been drawing, st doing storytelling, doing sequential art in my sketch pads. I, I had just recently discovered these, these 11 by 17 Bristol boards that you draw comics on. But I had uh, seen in one of my first issues of the Comic Book Buyer's Guide. It's called, it was called the CBG, the Comic Book Buyer's Guide. Had a full, this thing folded out to 11 by 17, like a, like a LA Times and New York Times print edition. Big giant comic book newspaper came out every week don and maggie thompson uh were the curators the editors and they did a magnificent job that it, it is one of my favorite memories it, it, it you know interacting with with comic book fandom the news it, it, i got it all for the first time it, it, in the cbg the comic book buyer's guide and there's a giant uh this spring edition has a giant full 11 by 17 ad listing all of the names of all the people that are going to be there. And it was a who's who. It is everybody that I talk to you about on a regular basis. It's Chris Claremont. It's Dave Cockrum. It's John Byrne. It's George Perez. It's Bill Sienkiewicz. It's Frank Miller. Uh, it's Jim Shooter. It's the list goes on and on. It's Marv Wolfman. It's 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 literally everyone. It's, I'm like, wait, wait, San Diego. We go to San Diego as a family. I mean, San Diego is, is accessible for us. So... I remember, you know, as some of you guys remember as kids when you there was something you wanted that you felt was going to be maybe a, a harder negotiation with your family. You, 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 you got, you know, you positioned and got ready to, to present it uh, in, in a certain way. And one night over dinner after I, I knew my, my, my dad was satiated and, and, and that steak was settling in and, and, and he was kind of on the other side of, of dinner and, 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 and now in full kind of about to, you know, slip into food coma mode, I said, Dad, there's a comic book convention. It's the biggest in the world. It said the biggest in the world on the ad. I believed it. Uh, it's it's in San Diego. Is that something that we could we could try and do together? And I remember my dad looked at my mom, and they kind of had that glance like, "Yeah, this seems really important to him." And 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 maybe we should talk about this. And of course, there was. A, Let me talk to your mother. Well, the next day, he said, after I'd shown him the ad and shown him the facilities. Now you got to understand, my dad, upon taking me to my Upon taking me to my first comic store about a year and a half prior, because I didn't discover comic stores till the end of 1980, which makes me sound like a fossil, but I am. So, so the, the, the thing is that he he uh, when he took me to my first comic store, he was very hesitant. They, it was a, bar, a very uh, dark and dungeony store. If you have gone to some of the nicest comic book stores currently in the United States or around the world, like a great um, Midtown camp Comics or Bedrock uh, City Comics, which I which I, I, I signed in, in May, which is just a magnificent, a, a beautiful, beautiful store. Uh, Zeus Comics in, in Dallas, all that sunlight bathing in, in a major, you know, retail center and it's it's got beautiful hardwood floors and all these great fixtures um this wasn't that store this is a a little like long like like i call an alleyway store the whole it it, it, it was it was on a main drag in, in in fullerton on harbor boulevard but it was a long like corridor store very narrow long rectangle and uh very dark very dank and uh upon you know kind of 
looking inside my dad wanted to stand near me nearby his 12 year old son while i perused the comic store i remember the guys the hippies that were um um and i do that to give you a visual memory or a visual you know a word picture that, that i mean literally these guys all look like they had um you know just come off of playing for ted nugent and if you don't know who ted nugent is let me say uh you know uh, the bands kansas or let me give you more bands that you've never heard of uh the doobie brothers anyway any of the yacht rock era bands uh with their leonard skinner okay honestly and if you have to look up leonard skinner and it's with a y um to, to understand what i'm saying these guys all looked long hair beards mustaches uh dark sunglasses and 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 the uh the 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 aroma the smell of pot is is filling this awesome store and uh and I, my dad's like, I, I just, I'm not so sure about this place. Let me stand over here. Cause he, cause he knew his son just loved the comic books. And, and, and look, I bought the latest Avengers, uh, the, the latest X-Men, the Hulk. And, and look, we got out of there, but I was like, oh my gosh, I've tapped into a wellspring of comic books. And, and just so you know, that, that was actually an improvement over, cause this is back in 1980, the couple weeks prior to that, where I had seen, uh, in, in, in the yellow pages, because again, you're like, how did you hear about comic books? Well, let me tell you, the, back in the day, some of you who were a little older, you would get the phone book delivered to your house. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous. I know. You would get the phone book, a giant, the yellow pages, as it was called in my area, would be dumped at the front door like a newspaper would be. It was an annual event. You got a new edition of both the yellow pages and sometimes the white pages, which was more local. Um, the yellow pages had all the phone numbers for all the different people and businesses in the surrounding areas. Well, some people were smart enough to buy ads, some full page ads, some little, you know, uh, uh, quarter page ads, half page ads. It was like a yearbook. It's like who who decided to to to, to you know lo love their child the most with the double page spread. You guys know who I'm talking about. You know you know those you know those big 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 ads in the yearbook, and you're like that 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 parent wanted to flex and spend just a little more money to sh to show Billy how much Billy was loved. Uh, my parents didn't have that. <laughs> I think I got the I think I got the postage stamp, and and that's fine because they I I wanted my parents not to spend spend the money. So so in the yellow pages, the same thing. Who's spending? Which plumber wanted you to know that they could fix your pipes uh, with, with with more panache than than the other guy? Okay, so 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 in the yellow pages, I I was flipping through it, and I saw used bookstores, and then comics. Boom! Wait, what? A comic story ad. Yes, I was thrilled. What is this? Comic books. There's stores that sell comic books. So a couple weeks prior to this, you know, Leonard Skinner store experience, uh, I had my dad drive me again, once again in Fullerton, but a completely different different um, side of, of, of Fullerton. And uh, and we went in, and it's, just, it, it's like the front of a house. The guy's business was the front of a house, and it was you know, used books, and magazines, and I'll just get straight to it. Uh, it was a bunch of vintage playboys and penthouses. And again, what is the Baptist minister doing here? He's like, "Oh my gosh, my son is surrounded by darkness and sin." And uh, and and I said, "Do you have any any comics?" I mean, I tightened up. I tightened up. I knew, like, "Oh crap! There's boobies. There's 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 naked woman. There there's there, <laughs> there's full frontal nudity." And my dad is about to grab my shoulder and take me out of this, you know, uh, uh, dark place. And and uh, the I, I say to the old man, do, "Do you have any comic books?" And he points me towards two 
short boxes of comic books and they were all in mylar bags not a single one was not in a crunchy mylar bag a harder plastic um and and they were old issues of the avengers the kirby stuff the busema stuff from the 60s and it was all you know 25 dollars 30 dollars you know, everything was way out of my league. Old issues of Conan, stuff that I really wanted. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe, you know, stuff that I had seen in ads that I never thought I would hold my hands. But it was like, everything was in the 30 the $18 range. And, and none of it was new. None of it was fresh. None of, none of it was fresh to market. It wasn't fresh uh, comic books. So this wasn't a comic book store in that way. It was like a used bookstore, used comic book store. But I had gone there with the comics. And I was like, oh, um... Thank you, sir. And I put it back, and I looked, and my dad and I exited. And I think my dad had some choice words, for, choice words for that establishment again, because because it really led with the, uh, the, the 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 as they call the nudie books. So a couple weeks later, to take another you know swing to get my dad to take me to the Leonard Skinner store uh, was a big deal, and it went off much much better. The Leonard Skinner store would then sell to a family a father and his two sons and it would be it would it would it would um come to be known as the latos brothers i'm not going to tell you the name of the leonard skinner store because i just kind of like calling it the leonard skinner store and uh and but those some of those guys went on to get their own comic book stores elsewhere in orange county and i would in, and interact interact with them later in my teenage years but for this first what i'm telling the purposes of this are is my dad was obviously very protective and not trusting of the world of comics just as yet. And, you know, I had to hide some of the comics that I bought because my mom was always very concerned that they were corrupting me. So, again, as I've grown older and seen, like, congressional hearings about the corruption of video games on young kids' psyches, I immediately go back to my mom uh, grabbing my Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu comic and going, this this is going to corrupt you. This is This is terrible. I don't ever want you you know, to, uh, to read this again, I, we should do an entire episode on when your mom didn't want you to have the comics and, and where you hid them because for the bonerific, uh, hiding of a comic of all time is when I decided I'll hide them under the washer, the machine wash and the dryer. And, and they'll never, ever find them. And that worked great until one day when I went to retrieve them and they were all soaking wet. <laughs> Because the, the leak had completely destroyed uh, my, my, my issues of Marvel Team-Up and Fantastic Four. And, uh, and man, I mean, that, that, that this, this was a game of cat and mouse with my parents, you know, uh, uh, until, until they eventually, like I said, gave way to the fact that, that I just loved the comics. And that the washer and dryer was in the Broadway Magnolia house. That was the beginning of it. And, again, they, they just eventually learned, like, these are harmless this gives you know their son so much happiness. He's he's really drawing from them. He's he it, it it it's feeding him on a certain level that nothing else feeds him. It fuels him. It gives him energy. It it, it it's giving him you know a brighter outlook. So so they uh, eventually gave through. But those early days, those early negotiations that found me hiding my uh, comics under the machine washer. Like what was I thinking? And again, now you got to understand how old am I during this time? I, I'm eight years old. Okay, so so I'm not I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm kind of feeling my way through the world. Okay, so let's 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 judge eight-year-old Robbie Liefeld, uh, maybe not as harshly as 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 you would a, a an older teenage person. But so having successfully made this argument, and my dad realizing how much this would mean to me, he made 
our trip to San Diego a father and son affair? He said, we will take the train down on Saturday morning and we will take the train back on Sunday evening. We will spend one night in the local hotel and I will go with you to this uh, comic book. Uh, I'll go with you to this comic book convention and I will even pay for both of our tickets in. And I was like, whoa, score. Dad is going to pay the train, pay the hotel, and he is going to you know, get me in. But he's like, everything else is on your dime and you should start saving right now. I have never mowed so many lawns as I did leading up to the 1982 San Diego Comic Convention. Uh, I can still remember, like, I would literally take my bike around to everyone's house in the in the uh, Anaheim area and go, "Hey, could I could I could I mow your lawn for three dollars? Can I mow your lawn, do your gardening?" And uh, this is something that that I really put the pedal in the metal to through April, through May, through June, and uh, and finally, boom. It arrived, and and I had saved up a couple hundred bucks to get to get comic books and to buy art, and we got on the train, and those are some of the sweetest memories that I will ever have with my dad. Is that weekend that he took me down here to San Diego, and I just remember the excitement getting out of the you know the train and 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 taking the car to the to the hotel and getting into the hotel, and you know that night he took me out to our restaurant, you know. He had a steak, I had a hamburger, and then he just kind of read his book as I consumed the comics that I had bought on Saturday uh, and, and just dove you know, completely into all of the different items that I had purchased, and they were all of the comic book you know, uh, 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 flavor uh, uh, variety. It was older issues of the Avengers and the X-Men. But what I had also done on Saturday, as I have um, recounted to some of you guys, when I first entered the, you know, now Civic Center, then San Diego Comic Convention Center, I, I, I entered and, and, and immediately after walking in and, and seeing all of the dealers and, and so many comic books on tables, you know, that the, these these displays that you see now, like like last night, these, these displays where they figured out how to, you know, go vertically up as high as they can and all these, you know, amazing metal racks and shelves and these um, just outstanding displays. The, those didn't exist. There's comics on, on tables, sometimes stacked, okay? Um, you'd be lucky if they were in short boxes, but you got to watch under the you know perusal of who, who, whoever was st- staffing the table. You would go through and, 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 and feel your way through different you know issues of Superman and Batman and, and, and the Justice League and the Avengers. But to my right was a giant tabled area that had, and I've gone through this before because I can remember this like it was yesterday, George Perez, Dave Cockrum, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, and, uh, uh, you know, Frank Miller, the, 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 the Chris Claremont, and they all, except for Frank, had kind of bushy, uh, uh, you know, very thick manes of hair and all had like Santa Claus beards. And, and, and again, it was that they were just reflecting the, you know, the times it kind of looked like they were all, they all looked like Kenny Rogers. They all looked like Kenny Rogers to me because uh, gambler and Kenny Rogers was a big deal at the time, but they were all these fully bearded uh, comic book creators, George Perez having the darkest, the, the black uh, uh, beard. But uh, I then asked about sketches and they gave me their prices. And I then went to budget away who I would get sketches from. And I, uh, had a sketchbook that I had bought ahead of time and placed that, you know, first in front of George Perez. 
Um, I got I got a little duel from Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh Other guys' lists were already booked. They were already booked on Friday. I couldn't get on them. Uh, Frank Miller being one of them, John Byrne being the other. And I was just in hog heaven because just to be able to stand to the right or the left and watch these guys draw and watch these guys create. And I'm like, wow. And, 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 and the realization that I could be one of these guys. I could be a guy who can make comic books because they're making comic books. And, and they're, they're creating lines on paper. And these are the guys that have, that, have, that have given me, like, my favorite adventures. And I really bounce between just, uh, you know, perusing different comic book uh, vendors the entire day and returning to check on not only my sketch but everyone else's sketches. And they were all very tolerant, all very kind, but very quiet. These, these, the, um, none of them were terribly engaging in regards to personalities. The most, of, the most engaging of all of them would always be George Perez. He was the most gregarious, the most friendly. And that, that stuck with me, man. That, that absolutely uh, it, it just had the most powerful impression on me. And, the, uh, and, and again, this is the first time that I saw so much original art. So much original art, stuff on the behind you know the different retailers who brought art behind their wall and looking at it and seeing how big and different sizes old the older art the stuff that was from the you know early Marvel days the Kirby stuff you know uh, Don Heck big giant oversized pages You're like wow this is amazing so that it it was just it was just a mind blowing affair and we got to go back uh, briefly the next day before we caught like the two o'clock train home. And that, that, that just cemented like my passion. I, I just, you know, went back to school about a month later, but that San, that San Diego Comic-Con experience, meeting those creators, uh, was just the most mind-blowing because where am I? I mean, at that point in my life, I was never going to go to another assembly that had the guys who were creating Daredevil and the Titans and X-Men uh, all, all sitting under one roof. This was like mind-blowing. It was everything that that list like promised. It was the fulfillment of like all my dreams. I could not believe like I was standing in the presence of these guys who, who had just given me so much joy and so much pleasure and had lifted me up and, 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 and just, just really ignited my imagination. But that, that, that those comics I bought, those sketches in my sketchbook, I just kept flipping back to them the entire train ride and looking forward to when I could go again. The next year, being a little older, I was able to uh, go up by myself uh, with a friend. We, we, we roomed together, and that's how it would be for um, the, the rest of my experience with Comic-Con because I never stopped coming here to San Diego to the Comic Convention uh, and, and, and watching the convention you know, explode, move out of the Civic Center, uh, move into this giant monstrosity that is the San Diego Comic Convention Center. And, you know, in the early days when it was only Hall A and B and C and D and watch them add E, F, G, Hall H. Uh, 1991, when X-Force uh, debuted, San Diego Comic-Con, that was the first time it is in this center. It is the first time it was in this center. There was no preview night again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The, the thing about X-Force number one and the signing that I did here, and I think if you have um, heard me talk about it on the podcast before, they moved me off the floor. I was causing a ruckus because this is kind of the first time that I had uh, any sort of interaction with having what you would call a big line. And, um, you know, the, the response to X-Force number one was huge. My uncle Mark, my mom's sister's husband, had, had wanted to see what this was all about, see what this comic book world was all about. 
uh, he was a uh, computer salesman and, and, and worked in the business world and has his, his own successful business. But he wanted to, uh, he's always called me Robbie. And, and even back then in my 20s, he was calling me Robbie. He wanted to come down. So he came down, met me. We had a box of X-Force number one in, ca in case anybody wanted to buy them because I had bought a certain amount, of, a certain selection of them. But again, this is the very first uh, year that the convention is in the new center. 1991 is when they officially moved. And the sad part is the year before in 1990, uh, I was part of a game show uh, that Marvel, Marvel would host a game show. And uh, it was kind of like my first panel that I had done with Marvel Comics. And it was Mark Grunewald who had passed away in 1996 mark grunwald who had hired me at uh the very first WonderCon in 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 19 you know 87 uh he, he was the host and you'd pick three or four uh marvel creators and then fans from the crowd and they'd come up and they would you know exchange trivia questions and it was a ton of fun it was a great interaction with the fans the fans absolutely loved it and and that was the last time I did not know, I did not listen to the the, the scuttlebutt, the news, that, that this was it, that we weren't going back, that that was the last year that we were going to have there. But it was a great, super fun year. I mean, I, I was uh, tabled next to uh, the guys who did Ghost Rider in 1990, and and uh, Jim Valentino was, was nearby, and there was kind of a separate artist hall across from the main hall in that civic center that I'm talking about that, 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 that housed the very first convention that I attended. And, uh, and here's the deal. I think 1982 may be the first year that they were throwing it in that civic center hall. I think that is the first year that they moved it out of a hotel ballroom. But I, I, I didn't do, uh, do all my history on that before I came on the, the mic with you today. But so, so 1990, last thing I remember is... You know, the end of Saturday, doing that game show with the fans. Boom, a year later, X-Force is out. I'm here, I'm with my uncle, and there's a giant line, and it's going down several aisles. And Comic-Con said, hey, we have to move you. Now, I was like, I, but, but, but can I stay on the floor? Because I, I, I felt like if they moved me, you know, no one would know where to find me. But uh, having that, that line was, was, was um, you know, kind of, it was, it was in other, other, other it, was, it was blocking other retail booths, uh, blocking other artist tables. So they then had security come and say, we've got a place, we've got a table, we've got you set up in the very back. There is a pavilion back behind, if you guys are familiar with the current comic book convention center the, here in San Diego, behind the, uh, the concession centers, all the way in the back, there is kind of a, uh, let's call it a foyer, you know, where, where there's stairs and elevators to go up to the, the rooftop and to the second, you know, the pavilion level. Well, they put me in the back next to a giant pillar in between the stairs with, with the tables. And look, they moved the line. And do I believe that people like, like, do I believe that I was like a, a wart that was removed? Uh, it, it felt that way. It felt like, um, the, 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 the line, the commotion was not something that they, A, had planned for, B, wanted to deal with. And they put me in the back and I was, you know, again, the people who had been waiting were rerouted, but there was no really way to let people know. It certainly was the internet. There was no social media. There was no Twitter, no Instagram to tell people, hey, I'm in the back. So, uh, you know, shortly after the line uh, was finished, it was over. There was no new new people coming back to find me because how would you even know I was back there? It was like I was literally in the very, very back when, you know, I, I don't think people even know where this place is now. And, and back then, I can guarantee you they didn't know. But anyway, that was, uh, I, I was just, I was here for that first year. And it was a blast uh, 
watching this new convention center expand. And obviously, it was really sad to see that it, uh, it, 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 it went several years past during this pandemic period where the, con- the convention center wasn't open. But you know, like I said, taking my wife to that old the civic center and walking her around the grounds and pointing through the glass and going, that's where this one hall was. This is where they had the artist alley. And the, 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 the game show where they had the, 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 where they had many of the different panels was in a side, a separate room aside from that civic center. You would go actually walk outside the doors of the civic center and across kind of the, uh, the walkway, uh, the, the, the outside, you know, garden area into another little smaller circular building and that's where they would do some of the panels so i was like and here's where we did the game show and here's where we did this it was so fun it was so great being over on that side of town i truly do love uh san diego and here's the deal one of my friends who decided not to come i said look look here's 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 the deal (laughs) he's he's not sure whether he was going to miss it at all and i said let me tell you something let me tell you why you're gonna miss san diego and I truly, truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. And I saw it all up and down the Gaslamp District last night too, the same vibe. But I said to him, I said, let's say you're going to enter the hall from Hall H from like, you know, so the Hilton is behind you and the Marriott is behind you, uh, is ahead of you. So you're going to walk into the convention center from Hall H and you're going to walk towards the Marriott, but you're not going to be on the sidewalk. You're going to be in the lobby, in the lobby of the actual convention center. And if you guys know how big and expansive that lobby is, you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, you're going to pass a dozen Starbucks, Mrs. Field vendors, hot dog vendors, okay, all here in the lobby. I said, just start walking from Hall H. And by the time you get to E or F Hall, just stop. Just cold stop. Plant your feet, stop, and immediately look out to your right. Because to your left, you go into the show. But look out to your right. Look out to your right and see that San Diego skyline. See all those reflective surfaces, the 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 silver, the metal of the of the buildings, the windows on all of the different hotels and office buildings and businesses, and the sun and the sky bouncing off of them, reflecting light. The palm trees, the gorgeous blue sky. Right now, as I uh, broadcast to you, I am looking out over the back bay and all of the beautiful boats and the uh, the outdoor uh, concert area and the giant IMDB yacht, and it is gorgeous, and over Coronado Island, and it is just magnificent. San Diego, the weather, um, the, the, the actual geographical location is why this show cannot and will not ever be beaten. It is the first, the best. Uh, it was the biggest for so, so many years, and there are a couple shows, and I attend them, and I say this with a big smile on my face, they would stuff like like grandma in 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 a phone booth inside their venue to make sure that they got one more person than san diego comic-con because i have you know i remember distinctly one of these shows maybe six seven years ago coming up to me saying you hear you hear rob we're bigger we're bigger than comic-con we're bigger we're bigger than san diego we're bigger we got we got more people i'm like i i know that was your mission uh, I, I feel bad for the people you pulled off the street to stick inside the hall to make sure they hit that count because you were, you know, had that count Geiger, you know, because because there it, it was a big deal. We beat Comic Con. Let me tell you something. Comic Con is one. San Diego Comic Con is 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 the one and only. It is the 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 most amazing comic show uh, that I have ever attended. I have so many great, fantastic memories. And last night. Upon this show's return, <clears throat> that that busy bustle in the streets that I described to you earlier in the morning, out by the hotels, <coughs> all of the activity, the lines, waiting to get your, you know, 
COVID ban, waiting to get your badges to go inside. The energy was off the charts. And inside the hall, when it went live at five o'clock last night, and man, um, I'm fortunate enough that I have a, I have a, you know, executive kind of badge and I can get in, but people who had just normal passes, I mean, the lines to get in, to wait, to get, to, to get through, to be allowed in the hall were monstrous outside, but the elbows and the knees banging on the inside of this hall were like crushing. It was, it was the business of Comic-Con was back 1000%. The energy was off the charts, the bodies that, I mean, they were just in every aisle and the long lines for Mattel, for Lego, for, for Entertainment Earth, uh, for all the different vendors, Artist Alley, all the different uh, original art booths, the comic, I went all the way down to the comic book section. All of those booths were hopping. People were buying comics, buying graphic novels, omnibuses, uh, the exclusives, the toys. The thing about Wednesday night preview night is there are no panels. There is no studio presentation that you need to attend. There is no, you know, uh, television studio, movie studio, streaming uh, platform that's trying to sell you on the stuff. Wednesday night is for the action on the floor, and the floor is packed. But it is still only a fraction of what's what's to come. What's to come on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because they limit the capacity on Wednesday night because they know that, you know, so often here in San Diego, so much of the uh, giant panels that take place above and around uh, on the on the secondary levels and then in Hall H are siphoning off thousands of people off the floor. Guys and, and, and girls and everyone who's done the show are familiar with the fact that you can tell when a major panel empties out because suddenly there is an influx of thousands of people that just pour through the doors and the aisles get thicker and, it, and and the crowds swell right in front of your eyes. And you always know that that is when a giant presentation up, upstairs, which th- those halls, some of them house 2,500 people. Obviously, Hall H is close to 8,000 people. If you've ever been there, trust me, it's enormous. It's amazing. Uh, when those, you know, are happening, they are you know, relieving so much of the traffic downstairs. And on Wednesday night, none of that relief is there. There are no panels to take people off the floor. So the floor is going to be packed. So they sell less tickets on Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's, it's anybody's ball game, man. That place is going to be hopping. And, 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 and by last night's, uh, just what I saw with my own two eyes, the energy I felt, the bodies. This place is is back. It is roaring back. It is kind of falling in line with so many of the comic book store signings and the convention goings on that have been uh, that have been occurring this last spring and summer. People want to get back. They want to resume their lives. They want to uh, meet creators. They want to buy cool toys and comics and collections and pins. And they're doing it. And that's and and it's amazing. And and what you're you're feeling from me. Is just the juice the morning after. And let me tell you about the gas lamp district. Because when I say that you stop at any point walking from Hall H, you know, to like say Hall A or towards the Marriott, uh, and you stop anywhere and look to your, you know, look to your right, uh, and, and 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 see outside, you know, that beautiful skyline and those beautiful buildings and that, you know, the palm trees. Well, that continues into the gas lamp center, which is uh, or just straight up gas lamp district, which, uh, you know. Tons of restaurants, you know, everything, every manner, you know, of cuisine that you can imagine. All the the great outdoor seating, the clubs, the ice cream, the gelato. Uh, it, it's it's just so great because it's summer. The sun is setting late, 
So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not even getting dark towards nine o'clock and, and, and it's just, it's so fun to be among the people. Everybody has a comic book bag or a ba- or a backpack or, or, or some sort of, uh, you know, something they're carrying with Funko Pops or toys or comic books or omnibuses and they got hats and they got shirts and it's a community that unlike any other, unlike any other, you go out of some of these other venues and you catch taxi cabs back to your hotel because when you walk out of, you know, these other convention centers in these other cities, you're not walking into a ready-made retail district of restaurants and shops that, that is, you know, built to, 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 you know, absorb all of you straight from the convention center into their, you know, into their places of business. And, and I've, I haven't seen anything like it, not in New York, not in Orlando, not in Dallas. Uh, this is why San Diego is so unique and so amazing. And the energy was off the charts last night. I mean, at 1130, getting ice cream at Giardelli's with my buddies, uh, other comic book fans coming up, talking, talking about the show, talking about comics, uh, talking about, you know, uh, uh, d- different histories that we've shared or things that we liked. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. That is why this show rocks so hard. And I hope maybe by by listening to some of what I'm telling you today, you book your ticket for next year because you're going to need to plan in advance. Trust me, you're going to need to sit down and do your own equation and, and mow uh, uh, the, your own version of, of all the lawns in the neighborhood to, to make this work. Uh, but it's worth it. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. The lines, I'm, I'm looking out today, the lines for Hall H for whatever programming is going on because that, that, that the lines continue and the sleepovers are every night. But whatever lines are going on today, those people are already down there. It is, it, it, it is a giant line of people whipping around in those Disneyland-styled um, you know, uh, uh, lines, and, and they are ready to, to be let in and fill up that 8,000-seat venue. 8,000 seats in Hall H. I know. I've been there. It's, it's one of those amazing memories that I'm going to share to you with, you with you here just coming up in, in just one minute as we continue to share all of the kick-ass energy and stories of San Diego Comic-Con International. So we had the entire 1991 X-Force, got a movie to the back, uh, outside of the hall, you know, in, in the back foyer between the stairs. There was that entire episode in 1991, but something very interesting happened between 1991 and 1992. And so many of you know that that is the formation of Image Comics. Myself, uh, uh, along with Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Jim Valentino, Wills Portacio, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, I believe I covered everybody, that's it. Uh, we gathered together to create Image Comics, our new comic book label that we would do our own titles and publish our own creations and do our own art and, and, and pick the paper and the colors. So it was a great movement. It was a great idea. And you guys uh, met that movement head on. Uh, April came, Youngblood launched, plus million copies. You guys... Uh, you know, put image on the map. You, you ladies and gentlemen, put image comics on the map. And that created a huge swell and a surge of enthusiasm uh, heading straight into the San Diego Comic Con of that year, of, of July of that year of 1992. Now, here's the deal. Last night when I was walking the floor, a couple people, as, as you are always so very kind, uh, reached out to me and, and, and shared with me your excitement in 1992, the vice president of Mattel, the vice president of Mattel, yes, the Masters of the Universe Mattel, the Hot Wheels Mattel, the, 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 the vice president of Mattel was speaking to me and he said, hey, Rob, I just want to let you know, in 1992, I was 12. 
I bought Youngblood, I bought Spawn, and and really until early August, that's all you got was two issues of Youngblood and two issues of Spawn, and then Wildcats launched, and then uh, Dragon launched. Dragon actually launched right before Wildcats, and then so we 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 built it out. But for the first you know couple months, it was Youngblood and Spawn, and uh, he told me I bought all your comics, I bought everything that Image Comics was doing, and uh, it just it was such a great time in my memory, and it, and it's the the way that I expressed to you my love of the the Bronze Era of comics, which literally, if we just call it the Yacht Rock Era, everyone would understand it better. Because literally, when we're listening to Yacht Rock, as my family has been trained to do with Pops, because that's that's what I do. Uh, when I when I listen to it and I hear those songs, those are the songs that were charting and hitting at the same time that all of the comic work. Uh, that I talked to you about was blowing up Frank Miller, Jim Starlin, all the guys that I shared with you. Okay, it was it's it's the Yacht Rock era, so it's the Bronze era of music and the Yacht Rock era of comics. Okay, it's 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 the same; they're the exact same thing. But I realized that the '90s with Nirvana and Pearl Jam and 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 you know uh, uh, TLC <laughs> and Bobby Brown. This is uh, and you know maybe Guns N' Roses best out al- best album. Uh, look, that time is the stuff. That you associate that's the period to you what my yacht rock comic book era is to me and this vice president because i even told him i said i am going to talk about you on my podcast so he's like in 1992 that was the summer image comics and that was so fun to have the mattel you know vp telling me this and he looked really young so i'm like wow 12 12 and i said well well i was you know 24 so so it's so 23 24 so it was it was really fun uh experiencing that because i really felt uh, at the time, I was very young, but having someone who was quite a bit younger, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> a full 12 years, you know, uh, younger than I was at the time, uh, fully enjoying the comic books that we were putting out and expressing to me now 30 years later his, his enthusiasm for that. That was exciting. Well, we had made arrangements that we would have an Image Comics booth and we would, you know, schedule different times for Mark and Todd and all of us to be signing at Image Comics. And so by that time, I had the beginnings of my Extreme Studios, and some of the notables among that crew were uh, Marat Michaels, was Dan Frega, Eric Stevenson was my editor-in-chief. This was before I even hired Matt Hawkins, which would be about another year and a half down the line. Danny Mickey had just been hired. Norm Ratman was part of the Extreme Studios crew. So we had a, uh, a, a you know six, seven of us representing the Extreme portion of Image Comics, that, that, that was down there. And of course, Jim Valentino would come down and sign for Shadowhawk and Mark was going to be there promoting Cyberforce and Todd was going to sign there. And it was probably like a four or five table, you know, kind of island. They had us up against the wall right in the beginning. It was a very good, they gave us really nice placement. The convention, uh, the organization recognized kind of the, 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 the heat that Image was generating. But even we didn't understand what was about to happen, what was to come. Like, like I am doing still here 30 years later, I've given away some free stuff this year, free prints, free free swag. Uh, I gave away free Youngblood posters. I have I had posters uh, for Youngblood number two, which had come out a few weeks earlier, and, young, and the cover to Youngblood number three, because I wanted to promote that it was coming out. And we would often, back in the day, and so many of you guys have shared with me that you would participate in this, we would have, you know, stacks of these posters that we would give away and sign for you guys. <clears throat> We're in the business of promoting our stuff. And we understand that 
just like a record album, uh, I mean, just a re- like a record label, whether it's stickers or posters, you know, you're trying to get word out on the street of, 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 uh, of what's coming. The one thing that I will tell you about all the image guys that we have never, ever once taken for granted, any of us in our career, uh, you know, the, the, the generosity <clears throat> that we are shown by fandom and we try and earn it each and every time. And again, like I said, 30 years here, uh, uh, g- going strong here at, at Comic-Con and I'm going to have prints and I'm going to have comics that I'm giving out because it's like, it's, 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 it's a great way to give back. And in these venues, when we can give back, we do give back. And in this instance, in 1992, we were giving back and, and these posters were part of it. Well, I posted a picture of this. I can't believe we have photos of this time. A, I hated taking photos. I had to learn to take photos for promotions and, and, and marketing and, and PR stuff. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm still not comfortable with it after all these years, but especially back then, I hated taking photos. But I had done a few sessions, like warm, th- th- there was a, when the LA Times took my, my, my photos for some articles, and then there was a uh, photographer that came down to take some photos from me. For me, I had kind of kind of warmed the idea, so I wasn't as, uh, you know, uh, photo resistant. It, it, literally, my family will tell you there's about four years of my life, probably from 13 to 17, that there are no photos of me. <laughs> I would put my hand up. I saw I saw Sean Penn once, uh, the actor Sean Penn, uh, Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I, I, I'm sorry, Sean Penn, you will always be, no matter how fantastic a director, a producer, and an actor you are, you are Spicoli. And uh, I saw him in the 80s when the photographers, when the paparazzi would approach him, he'd put his hand up. And block their lens, and and I did that in my family. I'd never let anyone take a, a picture of me. So the fact that there are actual pictures of me in 1992 at the convention with with uh, d- different folks uh, around the show is just nothing short of a miracle. So bottom line, there's a photo I put up on my story on my Instagram. I shared it on my social media, and I am standing on a chair signing posters, uh, and you can see this swarm of arms are outreached, and. Uh, Eric Stevenson is in that photo. Dan Frage is in that photo. We are trying to get the, the posters into the hands of the fans who are reaching towards us, trying to obtain them. And it is uh, it captures a ton of motion. There is a ton of motion captured in the the reach and the gestures of these people. And you can see clearly it's the poster, 11 by 17 poster of the cover to Youngblood number three. And uh, it's just I'm standing on a chair looking down, signing the posters, I'm trying to sign them as fast as we can give them back. That standing on the chair got me uh, in a lot of trouble. So this is, again, a Comic-Con tale of yore, of old. Um, and uh, and, and in, in, in that moment that that, that occurred, the, the, the security were on me in short order. And I'm trying to deal with the rush of a, of a crowd. And I'm going to tell you, the table moved. The actual... Uh, the, 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 the press of the crowd, the press of the fans, as, as enthusiastic as they were, uh, had crowded around the entire booth and it was constricting. The tables were moving towards us. So we were a little startled. We were a little like, whoa, because when you see tables physically move towards you, based, being, being pressed towards you fr- fr- from the weight of the, the, you know, the fans moving forwards, the, the sheer velocity of them moving towards you, it's a little startling. So I'm up on the chair trying to you know, look down. I'm not trying to cause a ruckus. It was just something that I knee-jerk did in the moment. But security, two giant security guards with their headsets and their very, very well-dressed, tucked in, their belts and their khakis said, uh, get down, get down right now. You need to come outside. And a uh, member of the San Diego Comic-Con staff 
uh, read me the riot act and uh, and and made it very clear to me how uh, much they disapproved of me standing on the chair, which I understand all of it. All of it makes sense to me. In the moment, I was just uh, you know trying to help facilitate uh, uh, the, the situation, and I stood up on the on the chair uh, to to kind of just look over. Uh, the crowd and, and and look at the faces of everybody and make sure everybody got the posters in the picture you can see I'm, I've got posters in my hand I'm signing them so I'm signing them handing them back to whomever is then handing them to the fans because again we had got kind of this crush this swell of of enthusiasm from the crowd it was very exciting it was very electric but uh, then I was informed by someone later who swung by and said they are considering throwing you out uh, for that quote-unquote stunt that I pulled and again, I, I, you know, I, I definitely, um, I was in my 20s and I was being spoken to by people in their 40s and there was definitely an acknowledgement of an age gap. And I could see that I, in that instant, had become the troubled, uh, you know, the, 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 I was the, the troubling youngster, the, the brash, you know, uh, uh, troublemaker. And it sucked. I, rem I, I remember going, wow, I can't go back in time, they see me in a certain light now, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that, re that that was meant to reach me, to really uh, stir me, and to, to get me to, you know, kind of get, be calmer, but uh, I, I actually think, I do, I think they were like really going, we need to make a lesson for life, this is the second year in a row that, uh, that there's been something, a, a commotion on the floor with him. Now I'm very thankful they didn't. They let me con continue. We made made you know adjustments to how we handled the crowds, how we dispersed uh, the posters, and we calmed everything way down. Again, it's just that excitement. It was crackling. It was it was uh, it was overwhelming. But again, standing on the chair, uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I, I, do, I do not advise that you stand on your chair at Comic-Con. It is, it is not a good deal. You will, be, um, you, will, you will put your presence in the show in jeopardy. I, I kid you not. And look, the venue, if, if I haven't been you know, literally as clear as I possibly could, uh, the, the venue has been very generous with me. Uh, as a fan and, and, and as a professional, I, I, I speak of that 1982 uh, trip with my dad but also again in the subsequent years 83 84 85 my sketchbook fills up Mike Zek you know John Beatty Arthur Adams uh I mean there there are all manner of uh people that I am able to uh get my sketchbook to get more sketches more art from and and and, and those are just memories that built upon memories that built upon memories that that increased my absolute love of this comic book business and so so I just uh you know that those incidences in 1991, 1992, that was a very powerful um, reminder of just just how electric our connection was with you guys, the fans. Because let me tell you something, I'd never seen anything like that at Marvel in DC. And again, back in the Civic Center, the the old San Diego Convention Center back then, what what I what you have to know is the setup that we had for Image Comics that year, which is you know five, you know. A side table, a side table, and three that ran across the aisle. Uh, that was the setups for Marvel in DC all throughout the 80s. They got, you know, uh, long, you know, card tables, the same kind of tables that retailers put their comics on, and they put out 11 by 17 Xeroxes, sometimes color posters. They had some stuff displayed on the walls behind them, 
but it was nothing like these giant, amazing, uh, you know, just enormous constructs that they, they that they have now. They, they certainly, you know, already on the floor. And again, you know, here's the deal: a couple of DC talents uh, came up and introduced me themselves to me on the streets in the Gaslamp District, and, and we had a great time talking and visiting. And they're guys who are brand new. They're writing and, and, and illustrating stuff for DC right now. It's it's the birth of their very young careers. They were very excited. They they actually spoke to me about the podcast. It was really fun. So, so you understand my enthusiasm does not, uh, you know, is not lost on DC Comics. I really, I've tried to share with you guys how much I love the Justice League and Superman is my favorite character of all space and time and the Legion of Superheroes, my passion for this stuff. Um, I have, I have, I have discussed with you kind of the ups and downs of, of Batman's history and how it's not just so cut and dried in that he was always popular. He wasn't. Those are all chronicled in so many in-depth episodes in my library and I encourage you to go and, and, and flip through we try and uh, give as, as, as best uh, episode you know descriptions as we possibly can so that you know what you're getting into what you're diving into with each and every episode and I encourage you to go back and look at those but what I'm about to say is and it's sad is that here presently uh, in the 2022 San Diego Comic Con, the, the the return, this amazing return with all this crazy energy, there is no DC booth. It's gone. There is no DC presence on the floor. Marvel has a booth. Image has a booth. Boom Studios has a booth. Uh, IDW has a booth. So many of the comic book publishers are very well represented, but DC Comics is in absentia, and they used to uh, really define the the. Uh, the real estate of the show. They defined how an amazing comic uh, co- comic convention booth looked, and and with their, I mean, all the different lights and the banners and the displays and the and the very uh, uh, well constructed curved tables and 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 within the booth, you know, all of the different display cases with the upcoming action figures and statues and comic books and art. That's gone. That's completely been removed. The, D- D- DC uh, has no dedicated floor pre- presence this year. They've readjusted the the room. Image Comics is basically where DC Comics used to be. Marvel is basically in their same uh, position as they've always been. IDW, Boom Studios, uh, just to name a few, are also have really impressive displays. A lot of, uh, I would say, middle-tier publishers have got huge displays. They really came to play, and good for them. It, 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 it's fantastic to see. So it is bizarre that that the that DC Comics, which which was at the forefront of transforming publishers' booths, is completely gone. That it's not that they they scaled down to basically zero to nothing. And so uh, you know that is what we are. You know that is the reality of what is on the floor today. But back in the day. You know, Marvel and DC just had just had you know basically the card tables and 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 11 by 17 Xeroxes and some posters, and you know it was all about going to the panels and talking to the fans. But it's it, at those tables I interacted with Art Adams and Mike Mignola and Mike Zek and 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 all of the different artists through the 80s. And and same with with DC, you'd see you know George Perez and Jerry Ordway and all those guys positioned over the DC Comics uh, table. It wasn't until uh, many years into this new convention center that, 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 like I said, all the booths started going vertical, higher, bigger, towers, lights, all these crazy displays. And, uh, and, and yet our display in 1992 was just the kind of comic book company display that we had discovered all through the 80s. And, you know, as it, as it 
you know, happened. We would meet over the years with different booth designers and and different firms who showed what they could do for either Extreme Studios or Image Comics or here's how we'll build out an Image Comics booth and then each of the studios can be represented you know, over here and have different positions. And I mean, th- those are great memories. That is you know, part of growing a company and we grew a company together and we got giant blocks over the years. Um, some of you know that I, <laughs> I built a starship. I built a several hundred thousand dollar uh, no, I think I think I think the actual Starship itself was uh, under a hundred thousand dollars. But in the summer of 1994, I I I, I, uh, I introduced it, and if some of you walked on it, I actually do have many pictures. It, it went to three different shows, uh, two on the East Coast here, one on the West Coast. You could actually enter from the back, go up the ramp, walk through the locker room on your way to the hatch, and you could sit in the chairs in the cockpit. And yes, it was the size of a Starship. I had the um, guys who had done a bunch of work for ILM and for Jurassic Park back in 1993 they they worked for a year to create this incredible uh uh starship for me I eventually sold it to a paintball park in case you're wondering what happened to it but it was it it traveled in so many pieces and it had to go on the back of of a couple of different long 18 wheeler you know long bed big rigs and uh the cost of transporting the actual Youngblood Star Cruiser became prohibitive to me uh, having it. And, and, and it, it is the one greatest kind of waste, I guess, people go, that's a, that was a waste of money. It wasn't. It was so fun. It was so fun. I never, ever looked back and, and looked at, oh, man, what I could have done with that. No, I did it. I lived, uh, I lived out my dream. I created, you know, this amazing kind of interactive experience. And in the summer of 94, uh, you were able to walk on my spaceship. It, 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 there was two different, you know, uh, and an and entrance in the back and then an exit in the middle of the ship and again they they made the locker the locker rooms were clear so you could see what was what, what, which was in what was in each locker you know shafts bow uh, giant oversized tennis shoes for bad rock gloves chapels guns it was really impressive I'll try and put some of those pictures on display but that is the fun of comic-con that is what those early 1992 tables evolved into and of course then you know you got the stuff hanging down from the sky I mean like the guy who really mastered the hanging down from the rafters uh signage is Alex Ross he he I really saw um him and his representatives uh completely go full on into the Alex Ross you know uh paintings hanging from the rafters so that you could see wow there's Alex Ross there there's there's you know there's that amazing art by Alex Ross that happened in the end of the 90s early 2000s and of course, like like I said, things went vertical and then stuff came down from the, the ceilings. Well, we built out and had giant islands. Extreme had an island. Top Cow had an island. Uh, I mean, there was the summer. One one summer, Top Cow was with Wildstorm. The next, they broke off and became Top Cow because when I say Top Cow was with Wildstorm, they weren't. Mark was part of Wildstorm. But then the middle of that year, you know, he broke off and became Top Cow. And so then Top Cow had their own um, presence. And Extreme had a presence. And Shadowline had a presence. And Todd McFarlane and Spawn had a presence. And you can see as Todd grew his toy company over the years, he got his own presence. Now tonight, on the I, I, I saw on the floor, uh, Spawn, Todd has a dedicated end cap on the end of the Image Comics booth. And so he has one of those um, slender end caps uh, kind of, 
uh, it, 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 it's facing like Lego facing Mattel. And I imagine that's where Todd will be signing. And, you know, all manner of different creators will be signing. They've got all the trade paperbacks, the hardcovers, all the, the, the stuff that you want to sell if you're a publisher. You want to get published comics into people's hands. And so the very front of the Image Comics display, you know, takes care of that. It is just amazing how this show has grown uh, over the years. Uh, one, one, one story that I will tell, and, and again, there is no shame here. The next year in 1993, when we were working out, leaving... Uh, on our own, starting our own imprint and no longer being a division of Malibu Comics who was distributing us. We had a meeting with a guy named Bill Shanus. Bill's a really um, sharp business mind, was was the guy that you were, everyone was terrified of at Diamond Comics because he could uh, determine kind of the fate of your company as the buyer, as the guy who determined how we that y- your, your publishing company was represented, handled uh, the, the terms of business, the percentages of, of, of what retailers got, of what went to the publisher. I mean, Bill's an important guy. Bill's not here this weekend. He's recovering. I saw he posted on Facebook, Bill, uh, our memories of you are fantastic. I hope you're doing good. I hope you have a full recovery. Bill uh, had a meeting with us. We had it in my suite that I had in 1993 in the Marriott. Uh, we were all in attendance, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Myself, Valentino, McFarland, uh, there was no Wills at this time. He had moved on uh, for a period uh, at which time then, then he published what, what Works Through Jim. The terms of that I've never truly understood, so I don't really kind of dive into it. I've, I've never really truly, I've gotten so many different stories. I just kind of, at the time, Wills was not among us. And he had been kind of, Jim had, had told us that he was kind of Wills' proxy and that, 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 that he had basically absorbed kind of Will's, Wills's say and his representation. So we are meeting with Bill Shane is about the terms that Image Comics is going to have going forward after hours. It's probably 11 o'clock. It's, it's after some of the parties we've, we've been able to visit and go do some of the fun and different you know functions, but we are all meeting at the suite with Bill Shane. Well, we are all sitting on the master in the master bedroom, all uh, which had a couple couches. <laughs> I'm sure Bill Shane is like, what is this? Uh, these aren't the kind of meetings I have with Marvel and DC or, you know, uh, Dark Horse. Well, so we, we, we've got the image guys, you know, in T-shirts and shorts and sandals and sneakers in, in the master bedroom of a suite in the Marriott. And Jim Lee is got the sharpest business mind in regards to how he sees what we're going to be going forward with in terms of the publishing. And he is walking back and forth, pacing, going over the different terms, this percentage on this, at this rate. You know, he's doing all this math. He has his um, oldest child, his, his newborn baby. He has in a baby Bjorn that he is, and, and he is pacing back and forth to keep this precious child asleep. And uh, he's got his baseball cap on. And I just remember how, how thick the wrap of the baby Bjorn was. And, uh, and, and so this guy is pulling this off. Jim Lee is pulling off these business negotiations while he um, has his, you know, precious newborn child in the, in the baby Bjorn across his chest. And he is giving, you know, business kind of terms and breakdowns to Bill Shanus, who's taking notes and kind of giving input. Some of us are gathered on the bed and some of us, me, are falling asleep, feeling the warm drool uh, slide over my cheek from my lips as I am passing out going in and out. 
this would become the Rob Liefeld went to sleep meeting, and it wouldn't be the only one. I would sleep at all of these meetings, uh, and and they would. <laughs> I was burned out, and I was tired, and I just I just didn't have the bandwidth to keep this going. And I'm like, come on, man, uh, these other guys, they we're all in this together. Uh, w- w- they got my back. I mean, I kind of I I feel like I took the leap. I took the giant. Uh, jump into into the world of image comics and, and i've detailed with you on a dedicated image comics podcast and young blood and how, everything that went into me going first and how nobody wanted to stick their toe in the water and i finally said look I, i'm not married i don't have a kid i don't have any commitments i'm young i'm 22 years old i'll just do this and i set forth to do my own comic and image comics happened and when those millions of of sales came in thanks to your interest they all jumped on board todd jim they could not be on board fast enough actually jim came on last because as i've told you in a separate podcast marvel fought tooth and nail to keep him from joining us either for their own selfish purposes or purposes of not you know having us have the biggest names in comics and so uh so so i would fall asleep at these meetings i felt like "Ah, come on I'm not going to feel guilty, but I would pass out. But then I would occasionally stir, stir, you know, kind of push myself up off the bed and, and sit up off the pillow. And I'd see Jim. He's there. He's pacing back and forth, still back and forth. And the baby Bjorn and the kid is, I mean, the, what a, the baby slept, just purred like, like a kitten through these meetings. But Jim, man, and when he gets talking numbers, it is, it is sharp. He, he is, he is completely engaged. And uh, I remember at the end, they're like, you can go to sleep now, Rob. We're, we're leaving. And I remember kind of, uh, kind of, you know, being able to muster kind of a grunt or two as they all left. And Todd would laugh. And Bill Shanus can absolutely uh, dictate to you that, that Rob Liefeld mainly fell asleep at Diamond Business Meetings, which I did, and I own it. But that was uh, San Diego, 1993. Now, you know, we had some growing pains. We went our separate ways. The super uh, fun part of the uh, the 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 fifteenth anniversary of Image Comics is uh, when they called me up and said, "Rob, we would like to bring you back uh, into the fold. Would you do some shows with us? Would you publish your books with us?" And I was like, "Is this is this like happening?" It was. It was Robert Kirkman and Eric Stevenson that said, Rob, we would like you to come back and be a part of Image Comics. And look, I've been publishing comics with them ever since. It was a no-brainer. It was. It felt like everyone's uh, uh, kind of had, had found their own voice, found their own footing, found their own confidence, didn't, di- didn't need to kind of... It, it felt like, literally, to put it bluntly, the dick measuring contests were, were over and in the past. And I was like, "Oh, great! I'm I'm good." And and I and I'm like, you know, this 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 was something agreed upon by everybody. Everybody. They said everybody is agreed upon this. Everyone is aware that we are reaching out to you. And so, you know, if you were at Comic Con in 2007, you saw the the original Image guys take the stage together for the first time. And I remember again the magic that that stirred in the crowd. It was. Um, you know, I was just, I kind of showed up. My family was there. It was exciting. I was looking through those photos the other day, but we stood together uh, as a, as brothers together, I believe there at a convention for the very last time. We have been fractured and not united ever since for all manner of reasons. It's not personal. There's no, there's no grist. It's just, um, you know, maybe it, it, it's that Jim can't in a capacity as a publisher, 
you know, meet under the conditions of the old regime with the rest of us. Who knows what it is going forward? Um, a couple of the guys just don't want to travel anymore. I mean, COVID or not, they were done. Valentino hasn't been to a San Diego Comic Con in, in many, many years. Um, he'll he'll be the first to tell you in his very funny uh, uh, way, his funny demeanor, that he's he's an older guy and he doesn't want to travel anymore. Remember, I'm the young guy of image. I'm the young guy at 54. All these other guys are 6 plus 10 plus 12, even more years older than I am. And so, uh, so again, it's, it's not a young man's game. And, and, and guys like Valentino are probably not going to be making a whole lot of appearances anymore. So that last time that we assembled at a convention, because, uh, you know, it really wasn't uh, a true gathering when we did it in 2017 in Emerald City. We were missing Jim. Jim, Jim opted uh, not to come. There was a variety of reasons given. It was fine. We just shrugged. It's like it's not going to happen. And I've told people that, again, I think here in San Diego – in, uh, in 2007, when we all gathered together, was the true last time that you will have seen us gathered together. And it was fun. It was great. It felt great. Everyone was introduced as their comics was uh, released. So it was Rob, and it was Todd, and it was Eric, and it was Jim Lee, and it was Valentino, and it was Mark. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. So you guys can see how uh, resonant uh the, this show has been for not just myself, but, but, but for Image Comics. I mean, Image Comics debuted as a company on a publishing floor at San Diego Comic-Con in 1992. This convention has a tremendous history with Image Comics. I would, I would, I really do believe it's kind of the home show for Image Comics for that reason, because we launched here. Uh, and, and I just, it is rich with memories, rich with experiences. And I hope that you enjoyed that I shared some of those with you today. I went full, leaned into all of the feels of what is going on and how I'm feeling uh, with, with, with this show coming back for the first time in three years. Three entire years since the last Comic-Con. And like I said, if Wednesday night was any indication, this thing is, 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 is just going to cook. It is just going to cook. I will be back the next time I will do some sort of manner of wrap-up because we have an entire four days ahead. I have a observations panel. I believe it's room 7AB, Friday at 11 o'clock. I'm giving away free comics to everybody uh, that, that, that shows up. I have profit variants. I'm giving them away. I can't wait to see you guys. I'm signing all through the weekend, but the Raw Observations uh, panel is going to be recorded if all works out and there's no glitches. It'll be something that we air in the very uh, near future. Um, I love doing the show from the stage. It's a blast. It's pure nervous energy the entire time. Uh, and and, and I, I am excited for those of you who are going to be there and join me. And, and, and like I said, otherwise, if you're reading about it, we're going to have it up here. We'll load it for you very soon. Normally, I read your guys' reviews, but I don't have anything in front of me to read from. So we're going to wait till next time. I know you guys have been hitting me with the, the best reviews. When you leave a review on the platform, I read it. I share, um, share it at the end of every show. But again, today, I, I am talking to you in my hotel room. I don't have my iPad. I don't have my, 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 my phone nearby. They're both charging behind me. So we are going to save that for the next time. But you guys know that I am all over social media. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. L-I-E-F-E-L-D, Robert Liefeld is my Twitter handle, at Rob Liefeld. Simpler, shorter, at Rob Liefeld is my Instagram handle. 
Instagram, Rob Liefeld. Twitter, Robert Liefeld. Both have a blue check. Both tell you it's really me. I'm the real deal. I love talking to you guys, sharing ideas, hearing your messages, your DMs, um, your, your responses. I love reading them. I try and respond to each and every one as best as I possibly can. This show, Observations with Rob Liefeld, is a dedicated fan page on Facebook. Uh, like it. Uh, subscribe to it. Uh, you know, Leave a comment. I'll find it. I'll find you. I have a group on Facebook that is my favorite group. It, it, it is called Rob Liefeld, an extreme group. It is moderated by myself and a gentleman named Terry Sala, who you will, you will use those names to understand that you are at the right place. There are other groups. This is the one moderated, administered by myself and Terry. If you submit and we, and, and one of us approves you, you know, you, you found the right place. We talk about um, basically anything I've ever produced in my career. And, and again, whether I've written it, produced it, uh, created it, done a run on it. We, we, we just kind of jam together and hang out. And again, my career going on, I mean, it's at, it's at the 36 year mark and it keeps on chuck, chucking. And I have you guys to thank for it. Come join us at the Rob Liefeld and extreme group on Facebook. Love to see you love to hang out with you, you guys at the end of every show. I tell you guys to get a break, take a rest, feed your soul, your emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental condition is 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 very important. Those components, they're really important. They're important to your happiness, to your success. And I'm going to tell you, because I do it, I get in my recliner, I read a great comic book, I read a great novel, I watch great streaming stuff with my family, with my kids, with my wife, um, by myself on my beanbag in my office. I'll, great, I'll, I'll get a great collection. The Legion of Superheroes, Titans, X-Men, Daredevil, Swamp Thing, Watchmen. I'll, I'll just pour over the old pages. Sometimes it's just the comic books. My old comic books, I pull them out of my collection. I like to feel the newsprint, smell them all over again. I love junk food. I love it. It's, it's good for the soul. Here at the hotel, I had barbecue kettle chips. Oh, are those crunchy, baby. Uh, my, my preferred uh, chip is a, is a Cheeto puff, not the crunchy, the puff, the Doritos. Come on, guys. Bake Lay's. I'm in there with you. I love uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hershey's Chocolate Bars. I love shakes. I love Frappuccinos. Come on, man. The, <laughs> we got to treat ourselves. We got to have some good, bad food to feel better sometimes, at least during the weekends or at some point. You got to chill back. You got to watch your favorite show. You got to read your favorite comic. You got to eat your favorite food and just take it all in. The world is moving way too fast. The, the Everything with technology has just sped up the chaos around us. So we got to take a break and settle down. And it is my uh, best wishes and prayers for you that you will find that time to do that between now and when we talk again. Because I will most definitely be back. And I want you to swing, swing back. Swing back around because I will be here waiting and we will most certainly talk again real soon.